Being an appraiser for our show takes some guts. For hours a day, the appraisers sift through old stuff, looking for something interesting. And when they find it, they only get about 20, maybe 30 minutes to figure out exactly what this thing is and how much it's worth. They do the best they can and, you know, good for them for sticking it out there and saying this is what this is. This is Kelsey, an editor and director for the show. And she has worked alongside our appraisers for over two decades now. I've watched them grow old as they've watched me grow old. She's dealt with their egos, marveled at their fashion choices, and generally learned how to bring out the best in each of them. They have their little quirks and their little, um, you know, I'm not going to say too much. Yeah, yeah, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) But tell me what you think about Stephen Fletcher. Oh, he's such a nice man. Ask anyone on our staff and they will tell you the same thing. Stephen is so great. Our appraiser Stephen Fletcher is a gem. Almost 100% of the time is a nice guy. Quality. It's an amazing thing. And I want to thank you for lugging it in here. <laughs> well, you're certainly He's not like you the quintessential TV personality person that you'd think of that's like, hey, this is this, and it's all so exciting. It kind of reaches into your heart, at least it did me. But the way he engages people, they love him, and we all love him, and that makes good TV, you know? Yeah. But unfortunately, what this podcast is about is, do you remember when he did a face jug? Absolutely, I remember. Just mention the words face jug in the office and everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. Like my, like physically right now, like my, my heart, like just did like a burn, like that went to my belly. (laughs) I I literally just felt that, you know, the empathy that I have for him as such a kind person, I, that was tough and hard, but you know, these appraisers, they, they, they stick their nose out there and they're not going to always be right. And when it came to this jug, Stephen did not get it right. But it's a pretty wild story. It really is. I'm Adam Monahan, a producer with GBH's Antiques Roadshow, and this is Detours. Today, when appraisers get it wrong. Funding for Detours comes from American Cruise Lines, proud sponsor of Antiques Roadshow. On a journey with American Cruise Lines, travelers experience the maritime heritage and culture of the Maine coast and New England islands. Their fleet of small cruise ships explore American landscapes, seaside villages, and historic harbors, where you can experience local customs and cuisine. To learn more, visit AmericanCruiseLines.com. Ancestry can help you discover your origins, build a family tree, and search historical records, giving you more ways to learn about your family's past and connect over their stories. Visit Ancestry.com to learn more. As far as I'm concerned, the hero of this story is our appraiser, Stephen Fletcher, who gamely agreed to let me interview him about the most embarrassing moment in his 26-year career on our program. 
I'm glad to be a part of it, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen got interested in antiques young, and it all started with clocks. So when I was a teenager, I think I had 24 clocks in my uh, bedroom. And one night, my father woke me up. And he said, son, son. And he's standing at the foot of my bed nude. (laughs) And he said, your mother and I just heard one of your GD clocks strike 92 times. He said, you can have them ticking, but no more striking clocks. Undeterred by his father, Stephen went looking for more clocks at a traveling auction. The sale was put on by a man who was just starting out in the business named Bob Skinner. I remember at that particular sale, his holding up what appeared to be like a plunger thing with a wooden handle. And he said, next, he said, is this antique cake decorator. And this farmer in the audience, this old guy wearing really worn denim overalls, stood up and he said, Bob, just a minute, just a minute. That's not a cake decorator. And everybody turned and looked at this old guy. He said, that's for giving a horse an enema. Stephen did not bid on that item, but he did buy an antique clock, and the auctioneer helped him load it into his car. And he said, uh, you seem to be really interested in uh, doing this. He said, you want a job this summer? That was in 1964. Today, Stephen is the executive vice president of that same business, now called Skinner Auctions. He never went to college, and aside from four years in the Navy, never worked another job in his life like the Paul Simon uh, song, I'm a one-trick pony. Stephen is an expert in Americana, which basically means any kind of object that could be found in the American home over the past, say, few hundred years. Folk art, utilitarian objects such as early woodenware, early American silver, um, copper, brass, you name it. That could also include a strange clay jug with faces carved all over it. Stephen appraised the jug at our event in Spokane, Washington. Would you talk about this for a little bit? Well, I uh, found it at at an estate sale uh, in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, It was up in a barn and it was covered with dirt and uh, straw. Some uh, looked like some chicken droppings were on it. It was uh, very dirty. It just spoke to me. When it spoke to you, what was it saying? It was saying I'm very unusual. (laughs) 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 I'm very different. (laughs) The man who brought us the jug is named Alvin. Um, Now, Alvin, are you an antiquer or a junk junk hunter? I I don't know if we got that at the show. Yes, I've been collecting my whole life odd and unusual objects. Odd and unusual would kind of uh, describe the face jug. Is that what what you drew you to it? Yes, exactly. So I had to look at this with a very open mind. Um, Yes. And, you know, the more I looked at it, uh, very frankly, I mean, it's it's a puzzling piece. Um, For those of you who have never heard of a grotesque face jug, this is an actual style of pottery that typically features one or a whole cast of misshapen characters around the outside. I mean, this particular person looks like he had an eye injury, and you can see that his, they've stitched his eye closed. Um, 
this, this person speaks with a forked tongue, it would seem. Um, there's a little damage. Somehow, a certain example, type of collector goes um, gaga for these. And there, if you go online, you, can, you, you know, there's like hundreds of them that are available. But none of them <laughs> look like the one that we saw. I mean, I, th- I think in its own way, it's a, it's a very bizarre masterpiece. It really is. Alvin felt the same way. When I originally uh, saw the piece, I felt it was uh, worth anywhere from $300 to $3,000. So he bought it for 300 bucks. And I didn't think it was terribly old, but, but it was that unusual. On the age question, Stephen disagreed. I think it's probably late 19th or early 20th century. Wow. And, and that's, a, that's a guesstimate. And based on the market for grotesque face jugs of that age? In a retail setting, um, somebody might well ask in the area perhaps between thirty dollars and $50,000 for what? this. What? I went berserk. <laughs> As one would. He, he jarred me with that one. Just an amazing thing. No. Well, that's my opinion. And, that's, that would, it would, and what did, did you say what you paid for it? I thought I over, over, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, I thought I overpaid, I paid $300 for it. It would, it would appear in my, our opinion that you didn't overpay. A $300 clay jug covered in chicken poop worth thirty to $50,000. It's the kind of a dream discovery people come to our show for. Again, appraiser Stephen Fletcher. After I did that spot, I thought about it and I said, something's wrong. I, I'm a Pisces. I don't know if that makes any difference, but I kept thinking, did I make a mistake in this? I don't really know. So I had misgivings about it. Nevertheless, the appraisal aired in our 20th season. There's a lot of hoopla about this even before. This was a piece that we had made a big deal about because we knew it was going to be a popular appraisal. I remember Marsha saying that. I went, oh, God. (laughs) Meanwhile, we're all feeling great. TV ratings are good. The appraisal got some good press. And then one day, I see an email in my inbox. Can you read this from my screen? I can. Appraisal, grotesque, face jug. Don't forget it says new information. New information. (laughs) This is Joe Sagar. She handles all the viewer email for our show. Most of it falls into three basic buckets. People wondering what their item is worth, people asking when we're going to come to their city and appraise their item, and lastly, nitpicky correction emails on stuff like grammar. Joe has a polite auto-reply for most of those emails, but this one she decided to forward to the rest of the staff. At that point, I want to say I'd only been with Roadshow for under a year, and so I do remember (laughs) hesitating before I sent it because I'm thinking... Um, is this accurate? (laughs) Then I thought, I have to send it. After the break, the woman who wrote that email tells us a very different story about our jug. And I just shot out of my chair and said, but wait, that's not what you think it is. 
As I said before, we get a lot of viewer email, and the messages can get pretty weird. On our fridge at the office, we have a letter from a self-proclaimed pastor asking us to come check out his ghost. And at first, this message about the jug seemed like more of the same. We were skeptical, but the story this viewer told was almost too strange to make up. Well, I met Betsy in the early 70s. Her name is Lorraine. Um, I was living in Eugene, Oregon, and that was her home. And we both had horses, and we stabled them at the same barn. At the time they met, Lorraine was in her early 20s, and Betsy was still in high school, but they quickly became close. I think this is a great story about Betsy. Um, We went up to her room to talk, and, and she opened the door to her room, and it smelled like rotten fish. I mean, it just stunk in there. And there were these plants all over. She'd nailed, put little nails in her wall and little pieces of string from nail to nail. And, and you literally could not see the ceiling or walls in her bedroom. And I said, gosh, Betsy, what have you done? How do these plants grow like this? And she said, oh, do you remember how the American Indians used to take pieces of fish and put them in the ground when they planted the corn? And bingo, I mean, the light went off. I looked at her and I said, you, you put pieces of fish in pots with, with the soil? And she said, yeah, and it kind of stinks, but they grow like weeds. <laughs> anyway. Your typical that's, high school friend or. That's just Betsy. Her gardening practices weren't the only quirky thing about Betsy. You know, Betsy's work was all over the house, uh, these amazing pots, and I had a real hard time um, thinking that this farm kid (laughs) made these really strange, bizarre, kind of scary pots. Um, And I asked her, you know, where do you get these images from? And she said, I don't know, they just come out of me. As Lorraine tells it, there was one especially bizarre pot with faces all around the outside. Betsy said it was supposed to be a cookie jar. Which I thought was hilarious because what child would want to get a cookie out of that jar, right? Betsy gave Lorraine that kooky cookie jar. Then a couple years later, Lorraine moved up to Portland, Oregon. She didn't think there would be space for the jug in her new house, so she gave it back to Betsy to hold on to. Lorraine always meant to come back for the jug, but it didn't happen. And eventually she let the whole thing go. So you can imagine my amazing um, reaction to seeing it on the Antiques Roadshow 41 years later. It, it just blew my mind. Then I, you know, got a hold of Betsy and she just could not believe that. She just kept saying, my pot on Antiques Roadshow? But how can that be? And I said, well, I don't know. But, oh dear, we probably need to let them know. You know, first we thought you were kooks. (laughs) (laughs) Who are these people? I knew knew Betsy and I laughed about that. I said, you know, they're going to think we're kooky and we're out for the money. (laughs) Yeah, no. And then we saw the photos and we're like, oh my goodness, a teenager from Oregon made our pot. The photo that Lorraine sent shows a young woman in a long blue dress, kneeling next to a whole collection of pottery. There's a horse, a couple of faces, and a few strange-looking jugs. First of all, I love your pot. It's a real statement piece. Um, And I just have to ask you, uh, how much weed did you smoke in high school? 
I never smoked. I never drank. That all is just coming from I don't know where. This is Betsy Sewell, the artist. In all seriousness, no, take us back to your your youth and like how did you get into this? How how did you get into pottery and what were your inspirations? Well, I was always interested in art, and we had a really good art department in my middle school and my high school. And uh, I don't know where I uh, got all the creativity to make those faces. It's sort of like they just uh, came from my subconscious or something. Well, there it's, it's really uh, pretty spectacular. Do you remember specifically making the face jug, that one? Yes, yes, I do. Do you know how long it took or anything like that? You know, I wasn't in art class every day. It probably took four or five classes to make it. I have to say that was the best one I did, though. That was my favorite by far. And do you have any idea how it would have gotten into the barn that our guest found it in? Um, I do have an idea. Uh, I gave it to a good friend's mother, and she was really sick with cancer. I thought it would cheer her up. Lorraine had moved to Portland at this point and returned the jug to Betsy. That's how it wound up in the hands of this other friend. And uh, after she died, I lost track of it. And I found out uh, years and years later that her brother had sold it in an estate sale. And I think Somehow it ended up in the barn uh, after that because it was years and years, like almost 20 or 30 years went by before it was found in that barn. And subsequently brought on our show. Once we heard the whole story from Betsy and saw the photos of her work, it was pretty clear this was no prank. So what was the feeling I had? My boss, Marsha, was not pleased. The feeling was, oh, beep. Um, <laughs> because the last thing you want to see is a mistake and that you shared that mistake with millions of people. <laughs> and, you know, I think Marsha made the call when she heard from the artist. She was a little more diplomatic with our appraiser, Stephen. And said, uh, you know, these things happen. She was actually pretty nifty about it. I mean, I was, I was mortified. She said, do you think you're the only person who's ever made a mistake in this program? I said, that's a pretty conspicuous mistake. She said, nonetheless, it's an interesting spot. I know you guys don't welcome stuff like that, but I, it just proves that, uh, you know, we're all f- fallible. To Stephen's credit, this piece was seen by two other appraisers that day at our show, and both of them agreed with his assessment that the piece was over 100 years old and worth in the neighborhood of thirty to $50,000. And according to our guest, Alvin, after our show, he took it to an outside appraiser who put an even higher value of $100,000 on the jug. So basically, if Betsy wanted to go into business making forgeries of antique pottery, she could make a killing. But it's interesting, from an artistic standpoint, it's no less a piece than it was before. I mean, okay, it, it isn't late 19th century, early 20th century, but um, visually it is what it is. I mean, so my opinion about the object has not changed uh, as far as the talent involved in making it and its appeal. It's only the monetary value that changed. 
My colleague Jill Giles delivered that bad news to Alvin, that his object wasn't what we thought it was. Did you know that you're the one that had to tell him that? I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised because I feel like that's part of my job is I always have to call the people and deliver the bad news. Well, I get this uh, very nice call from uh, the producer. Here's Alvin. And uh, she notified me that uh, the true uh, artist has come to light. I mean, I always preface it with like, you know, we always try to be journalistically accurate. So when we find out something, it's our duty. You know, it's almost like you're in it with us. Like it's our obligation to make sure that that doesn't air incorrectly so that the public isn't, you know, misinformed. Like us, Alvin was skeptical at first. But but, um, it, it turned out to be true, obviously. The Jug had already gotten some press when it first aired. But at this point, the media really picked up the story. Betsy, how did you learn that a piece of your work had been on Antiques Roadshow? I think I've got at least 20 newspaper clippings. And Alvin started getting requests for interviews. In fact, uh, uh, NPR, National Public uh, Radio, wanted me to do a bit on uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell. So I get a call on my cell phone, and it was, um, wait, wait, don't tell me. And at that point, I said, we got to cut this down, because it's too disruptive. Betsy, for one, has loved watching all this play out. It's just been a great source of merriment for years. Alvin, not so much. Of course, all of this led to great negativity. I don't view the piece the way I used to. I, uh, in fact, I'm putting it up for sale. It, it has too many negative connotations to it, uh, creates, created too much of a disturbance in my life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you're actually going to sell it? Oh, yes, there's no question. When I told Stephen about that, he didn't offer a price estimate, but he was intrigued. I, I tell you what, it, it's probably as famous as any face jug out there. Um, And it's worthy of bringing some money, I think. Who knows? Maybe the jug that fooled America's favorite antiques show is just as valuable as the real thing. Now, if this sells for an extraordinary amount of money, might you consider a career change? Oh, maybe in the two weeks between retirement and death, I might. (laughs) You don't think you have a lot more uh, uh, pottery in your future? I might, but, you know, that kind of art just springs from uh, inside you and you either have it or you don't. And, and I just don't know anymore. So, so despite all this, do you, do you still watch our show or, or is, it, is it just too heartbreaking? Oh, no, no. I, I, uh, Antiques Roadshow is a religious thing with me. <laughs> You know how a lot of folks can't miss miss church? I can't miss the Antique Roadshow. Stephen, thank you so much for doing this. Well, I hope it turned out all right. This couldn't this couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, and I feel bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in hindsight, Adam, we should have buried this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about this. 
You know what should never happen? Nobody should ever do a podcast about this. Really highlight and underscore this mistake. Can we talk about some more of my mistakes while we're at it? <laughs> Detours is a production of GBH in Boston and PRX. The show is written and produced by Ian Koss. Our assistant producer is Isabel Hibbert. And our editor is Galen Beebe. Jocelyn Gonzalez is the director of PRX Productions. Devin Maverick Robbins is the managing producer of podcasts for GBH. And Marsha Bemko is executive producer of Detours, along with myself, your host and co-executive producer, Adam Monahan. Our theme music is Once in a Century Storm by Will Daly from the album National Throat. GBH.